Guys, we're so glad that you joined us today, and we trust that you're enjoying your holiday season. Hope the time with your family and your friends has been not only refreshing and rewarding, but really just a great time for you to renew. Uh, I know that this weekend we took and went online only simply because we wanted to make sure that our volunteers and all the people that help make the Gate Church happen every single week had a break for them to be able to spend time with their family. So we're excited that you joined us today online. So thank you for being a part of this amazing Sunday, the last Sunday of 2020. I know there's a lot of people going to be waving bye-bye. We really are happy for you to leave. 2020 has been quite a challenging year. But you know what? In the midst of it all, God has been so good to us. And uh, the Bible teaches us the principle that in everything, you can still give thanks. That in the midst of even difficulties, tragedies, loss, people that have experienced things they've never experienced before, we can all be so full of thanksgiving and gratefulness for the goodness of the Lord. And that's because unto us a child was born and unto us a son was given. And today we celebrate not only the birth, you know, we can't leave Jesus in a manger. We celebrate the empty tomb because he's very much alive today. And he's the reason that we have the ability to give thanks today. We've been taking all month long and we've been talking about the stories of Christmas. Every week there's been a testimony. Some of them have been amazing. I mean, when you think of the story that uh, was told in the, in the beginning with uh, Mike and Carrie and how God took a very devastating time in their life, their business, then you, Jimmy's story, what happened there, actually Jason's story uh, with his accident, the story of Tony, I mean, getting released out of prison. What, a, what an amazing story. And on this last Sunday of December, I wanted to finish this series on the stories of Christmas. With us talking, I ask, I ask people to join me today and let's talk about the power of a story. The power of a story. You know, I can remember as a, as a child that the way families taught, the way I learned the values of my family, the values of what Miller's believed in, where we'd come from was I'd sit at Thanksgiving tables or picnic tables in the summertime and I'd listen to my grandfather and my father and my uncles tell stories. They'd talk about what happened. I remember listening to my granddad talking about he came out of uh, southern Pennsylvania in a wagon train in 1910 to Washington, D.C., and he said, my, my, my mother and my sisters rode in the wagon. My dad and I and my brothers, seven brothers, drove our cattle from southern Pennsylvania over the mountains into northern Virginia and eventually into D.C. And that's where my dad ended up being born. That's where I was born. And the stories of how they got there and how they came to the Lord and the heritage and the legacy and the value system. I'm persuaded today that many people don't know what they believe and they don't know what they value because they've, they've been a missing element has been the stories that needed to be told. You know, I don't, I don't think you take a class on how to be a Benson, right? You just sort of sit around and listen to them tell stories and in their stories, you hear what they value. And when you, when you learn those things, then you pass them on. And it's very easy for us in this world today in which we're living to, to let this right here be our only storyteller. And sometimes in 260 characters on Twitter or a little short Facebook post, you can't tell the whole story. 
of what it really means. The old timers used to say this way. I want to tell the story of how we overcame because stories are so very, very important. Because here's what happens. The Bible teaches us that stories transport us. They take us somewhere. You can go somewhere in a story. You find somebody that is a great storyteller. Or you watch a movie that's really a story. It picks you up and transports you into another place. If, if you're a Star Wars fan, you go into some crazy place. But if you're a Braveheart fan, you, get, you go back to Scotland. And you want to paint your face blue and go get on a horse somewhere and go to war against England. <laughs> Stories transport us. They take us places. When, 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 a, when a teacher teaches children about David and Goliath, I mean, I've, I've stood in the Valley of Elah. And, and you, you realize you get transported there in the midst of that story. But not only do they do that, stories connect us. They connect us to something bigger than ourselves. We realize my story is not the only story that's ever been told. And in fact, I really have to find out how does my story fit into God's story. Because God invites me to bring my brokenness into his redemptive plan. And so a lot of people that are watching today, you, you may have had places in your life you say, man, I don't, I don't even want to talk about that part of my story. But you know what? It's still your story. It's a part of who you are. Uh, I don't think there's anybody on the stage with me today that didn't say they made dumb decisions at some point in their life. And maybe we made some right ones. Maybe there were some things I experienced I didn't really plan for. But it connects me to God's bigger story, which is the story of great redemption and restoration and how Jesus came to make us whole. Not only does it connect us, but how many of you know that stories also persuade us? It's oftentimes in the listening of a story that I get persuaded if if Jay overcame, then I can overcome. If he got through that, I can get through this. Because those stories become places of really persuasion where, where faith and con, con, confidence rise yes. to, to say, I can do this. I, can, I really can make this happen. Jesus was a great storyteller. One of the things that marked the New Testament is that Jesus was a great storyteller. And by the way, for all of you Bible students, let me just say it to you this way. The gospel is not just a set of theological principles. The gospel is in itself a story. It's a story. It's good news. It's a story that takes you from one place to another. In fact, you could say the gospel story is, is, is written like it's got four parts. It's, there's, there's four scenes to the gospel story. There's creation where God had this creative order where he put everything in place, put man in a perfect garden. And then second scene, there's this fall where this, these men mess up, they blow it, it becomes disappointing. They are removed from their place of, of the garden, separated from the one who created them. And then you get to the third scene, and the third scene's about redemption. How does God take what was messed up and bring it back into something that could be in relationship with him. And he started with a people called Israel who gave birth to a Messiah called Jesus who became the savior of the world. And then the fourth scene is about the restoration of all things where he begins to make all things new. Everything begins to be put back into order. So every story, that may be your story. Maybe, maybe you recognize God created me. I had a huge fall. Maybe now you need to get to the next scene. Okay, where's redemption at work in that? And then how's God restoring all things back in my life? Because nothing can be lost. So the psalmist says it this way, and I want you guys to respond. 
the psalmist says in Psalms 145, verse number four, one generation shall declare his works to another. One generation shall declare his works to another. And because of that, they give praise to his name. So let's talk about the power of stories. Abby, why don't you talk to us? You're a young lady, college student. You're beginning into the things that God has for your life. Tell us what stories have meant to you. Goodness. Um, well, uh, I just, it was actually really funny because the other day I was thinking about this one memory. Um, when I was younger in a youth group, we had this event going on. Um, and one of the leaders, I was with a few of my friends just sitting on like a, a park bench and he came over to us and he was just talking and then uh, he just stopped and looked at us and he said, so tell me your story. And I was like, okay, never, but nobody's really ever asked me that before, but okay, where do I start? So I start from when I was, okay, where I grew up and all these different things. Um, but I was thinking about that the other day and I just remember all of us just sitting um, just a few of us sitting around each other, telling our stories, listening. Um, all of us are different. Some people grew up in different places and um, just having him tell us his story as well. And he kind of spoke on that a little bit. But um, stories for me have always been very encouraging. Um, and the way I learn, too, is I need a visual picture. I need like a story to be able to give me a visual picture and then I can really begin to understand it and process it a lot better. Um, and so stories are, um, have always been a big part um, of my growth. Um, they've been moments of encouraging, whether they're good stories or bad stories. Um, every story has had at least one opportunity to be able to encourage me, um, but then also give me a brand new perspective on a situation that I may be going through or um, that I may go through in the future and I'll look back on that moment or that story that somebody told me, whether it was from the Bible or whether it was from their own life or a friend's life. Um, it just gives me a brand new perspective and a way to walk out into whatever current situation I'm in. I really love what you said because I, I, I was thinking back, I don't know how many thousands of times I've probably asked that question when I sit down with people is tell me your story. Just tell me your story. Because one of the ways we really get to know people is tell me your story. What? Everybody's got a story. In fact, oftentimes we think this thing about witnessing for Christ is so difficult because we think, well, I don't know where it's at in the Bible, but I know this and that. and I, So I'm afraid to tell anybody about what Christ did in my life because of that. But really it's about telling your story. Mick Shaw, you and Antoinette deal with our children every week. I know personally you guys have a story, but tell us the power of, how do you think the stories affect even the generations that are coming? That is a loaded topic. Um, when we look at storytelling, Bishop, especially when we look at young people, some of the most influential times that we have as, as we grow up is between the ages really of birth to five years old. So it's during those developmental times that we tell our kids to brush your teeth, wash your face, get up at this time, and it becomes very regimented, and it becomes the foundation of who they're going to become later on. You eat your protein, you eat your, your vegetables. So when we look at what we're doing back there in gate kids, it's the same thing, but with biblical principles. So we, we got to go back to really the book of Proverbs whenever God gave us that, that power and the empowerment of the, the power of life and death is in the tongue. So I think if we start off from that foundation, 
and letting our young people understand that as you speak, things will happen. As you believe, things will happen. The other day, my, my son, we were sitting in a car and I just heard him singing a song and it's a song that I play all the time, um, a gospel song. And I was just like, wow, Lord, I thank you. Cause even indirectly and directly he's impacted. And those are things that he sings to himself to fill me up, to encourage himself to, to be a stronger uh, follower of Christ. So um, when we look at what we we're doing with kids, we have to tell our story. And I think oftentimes as parents, as teachers, as mentors, we want to tell all the good things. But it is really through those trials and tribulations that we had growth. And that's what we really need to lean in and press in um, with our kids. So we're back there. Our, our series this um, over the past couple of weeks has been God's plan. And how even through your failures, even though you didn't follow the directions that he had laid out for you, in all his infinite, infinite wisdom and mercy and compassion, he is still standing there. We talked about uh, Peter uh, having faith and walking out on the water and how he thought it was a ghost. And they were like, oh, wait, that's Jesus. And then they had to go to him. He said, if it's you, let me come. But when he took his eyes off of Jesus and lost faith, he started to drown. So I, I told the kids, I was like, even when you take your eyes off of God, he's still standing right over you to pick you back really up. Good. And I think when we start instilling those fundamental truths that brought me through, you through, and you through, through the test of times, it transitions from generation to generation. Um, and, and, and what you said earlier, when we look at storytelling, it allows us to build connection with people. It allows you to blend cultures. It allows you to blend people with different religious views. It blends right. different age groups. I've been ministered to from some of the kids. They just, you know, they just start talking and they don't realize how empowering, uplifting um, their, their scope and what they see, their truth, is to us as adults. So when we look at uh, overall what that means to us, we just got to keep telling our story and, and not let that story not, not be told because it, it's growth in that story. Jesus did it in the Gospels. There's dozens and dozens of parables where he told his story, not from a religious perspective, but something that we could get anchored to, we could latch on to, that morally we, we could grow forward and, and move forward through his living word. So if we just follow God's example and, and, trans yeah. and, and actually re-implement that in our generations today, they can't fail, yeah. but it gives them a foundation to run on. I know that, uh, Amanda, you and Jay both are parents. Yeah. And uh, tell me the, what, what stories have done in your house and your family. And you got well, one, of, one of yours is sitting on a camera up here behind the camera. And one of yours is sitting right here. So yeah, right. We're exactly. doing good so far. Yeah. <laughs> we got like a little triangle effect. Um, you know, in our household, it's funny that Michelle said this about telling your story. And in our household, we actually tell stories a lot. And, and they're really important. And our son is behind the camera. And what's funny about it is, is he's by far the most inquisitive about like, tell me again something I did. Tell me again something dad did. Tell me again something papa did, which is normally you, right? Just go ahead and get that in. And so, you know, they'll want to know the stories of, of our history and where we came from and the things we went through. And Jason and I, my husband, we, we discovered a long time ago how impactful it was to continually keep stories in front of them and how much principle there was in it and, and how much they had to attach to. You know, several months ago, we had an incredible um, lunch and with a group of men and 
women who are African-American, and we wanted to know from them, what is it that we can step in the gap with you about in this season? Like Because, because we've all faced 2020 in a different way. And one of the things that stuck out to me most that just kind of pricked my heart to say, Amanda, you're leaning into the right direction, was one of them said, spoke up and said, part of the struggle that we have as African-Americans is that we no longer have history. We don't feel sometimes we have legacy. No one has a story to tell to us about where we came from. And I remember going home that day and just reassuring myself and reassuring you that it matters to impart to your kids. Since that day, I've spoken to several of my African-American friends, friends that are of different descents, and heard them say the one thing that they are strategizing about and making sure happens is to give their kids background to tell their kids where they come from and the goodness of God, even if it was in like you said, like, even if it's not a good story, if it's something that's negative that happened, how you came through it and how God redeemed you in it. And I'm just, I'm awakened by that. You know, I, I was talking to you the other day, something that just speaks to me all the time is when we talk about Abraham being chosen as the father of all, all of the nations, the Bible says the reason God chose him is because he knew he would tell his story to the next generation. That's why God chose him, chose him for the very purpose because he knew he could be faithful to tell someone else what God had done for him. And that's the way that Jason and I have tried to live with our kids. That's our first garden. And from there, we've just believed that every time we've had an opportunity to share, we just believe it matters and it impacts someone else's life. And we build heritage that way. I just hope everybody listening today heard what Amanda just shared is that the reason Abraham was chosen it's because God knew he would take whatever God gave him and he would share it with his children and with his children's children. In other words, God put so much value on people sharing what he had done that that's how he chose the father of our faith. Jay, talk about stories. It's your place. You have a great heritage as well. Yeah, we uh, stories just form who we are. And I think, um, you know, for families, that's important. And I think, you know, Bishop, you shared at the beginning, it's amazing that we don't realize or we re rarely think about the Bible is, is actually just a collection of stories. And when you think about the people in the wilderness, the children of Israel, they were just people who didn't have anything but a story. And they started to tell the story. We're the people for whom God opened the Red Sea. And I think what you have to do is recognize that whatever my story has been, good, bad, or ugly, it is a place where God wants to mark me with identity. If I have a painful story, then God wants to mark that story with healing and redemption so that I can become the person who is the one for whom God did this. And I think that's what a story does for all of us. And when we tell stories and pass stories in our families, our children, I've benefited from this. We, we build faith. We give them a foundation to say, wow, God did that for maybe somebody watching today the service. You don't have a generational heritage or legacy. But I think I've heard Bishop say this a lot. You can always begin. You can always be the first to begin to tell the story. You know, this is where we are right now, but this is what God's doing. And we're going to pass this on so that the story can continue. And I think, Bishop, as I was thinking, as you were sharing, you know, we just learned that we, we sometimes we think we invite God into our story. But what we find out is that God was already in it. Right. We just became aware 
But what's awesome is when we realize that God is inviting us into his story. And so I think that's how valuable stories to children can be, family stories can be, young people. When somebody says, tell me your story, they're really saying, tell me who you are, because our stories form who we are. And I think you know, inviting God into that allows God to form us in deeper ways by really embracing the fact that I'm a person who's on a journey. The other great thing about story is I, a story means I haven't arrived. I, it doesn't mean I've got it all together. I'm on a journey with God. He's in this with me. He's making all things new in my story. Uh, and for those of you that are on, watching right now, why don't you just go in the chat line right there and just tell somebody I'm grateful for my story. I'm my story has helped form my life. Whatever it may be, you don't have to tell your whole story, but just acknowledge I have a story. Just put that on there. I've got a story that God's, God's working in me, His plan and His purpose. It's interesting to me, guys, that, that stories form who we are as people, but they also form and shape our faith. So how, how do you perceive how, how does faith come alive when stories are told? Who wants to take that? You know, faith has to have demonstration, and it has to be put, um, there has to be risk attached with faith. And one of the things about storytelling is there's always a vulnerability of risk attached to it by the one who's telling the story and also on the one receiving the story. Um, there is, an, like you said, there is an attachment that comes uh, between cultures, between types of people when we're willing to tell our story. And I think that one of the things that happens supernaturally in storytelling is that God begins to connect gaps through stories. And faith is built when two or more gather together, right? Like when we're living in this world of collectivity and we find ourselves in the unity that's bonded in peace, we begin to be able to see our faith become bigger than us and it becomes more awakened than us. And I know for me, and I, I just want to say this because there's a story that's in my life that did not come from anyone that's in my family, but I was going through a, such a difficult time of believing God for big things once. This really connects to faith. And I was really thinking, man, can that, is that possible? Can I really do that? Is that really even a thing? And, and I remember sitting with a woman and her telling me a story about wanting to build a church on an island that would not sell her any land. And then she decided, okay, then I'm going to buy part of the ocean. And that's what she did. She went and bought the, the, the shoreline of the ocean. And then her and the elders of this church they wanted to build started to, to take a boat to the sandbar, pick up sand in five gallon buckets and bring it back and start building more land onto an island. And eventually they accomplished it and they built a church. And here's my point. The day I heard that story, it connected and filled a gap for me because I didn't just walk away with saying God could do it. I walked away with saying if God can do it for her and she had the willingness to put her faith on display, to take the risk and do something different, I can do it too. I have the capacity. No one's holding it back from me. And that story gap filling built something in me that day to become a greater risk taker. And it also provided for me an avenue 
to say, you know what, you, you've done something I want to do. I want to know more about how to do that. So it connected me to even being able to find out more from that person and how it connected my life. Because that builds your faith, the trusted voices in your life, the people who can build you. So that's one of the ways I think that we build that. that the stories I need to tell to build faith need to be stories of success or victory. But I found that I've also had my faith built when people were honest with me about how things didn't go yeah. well. And, and what you learn from stories, and I really feel like somebody needs to hear this because maybe you feel like you know your story is that I didn't get the victory. But what you learn from stories like that when they're told with vulnerability is that even when things don't work out, God's still with us. And yeah. the worst thing that ever happened isn't really the worst thing that ever happened. And sometimes we build faith in each other by being honest about, hey, you know, that didn't go like I wanted or I, I didn't, that didn't, that, that was actually a failure. But I found out through my own life and friends, wow, what do we learn from that? That God is still God. He's still in my story and he can still make something beautiful out of it. So no matter what 2020 has meant to you on this last Sunday of 2020, it can still be that all things are working together. Yes. God yes. is at work in all this That's mess. Right. Even if it's been a disastrous year, right? right? He's at work in the midst of it. And I was thinking as, as you guys were talking, it was really part of my next question. That's why Hebrews 11 is in the Bible. Is it's, you know, we call it the hall of fame of yeah. faith because it's got all these heroes in it. But that's the first half. The first half of the chapter, you know, the context of Hebrews is you had these bunch of Jewish people that were living under persecution and they were losing confidence. They didn't know whether their relationship with God was proper because they didn't know whether they needed to go back to just going through rituals or whether they really did have access to him because of the cross. And they were questioning their own sense of faith and security in him. They were, they were challenged over the fact that they were being persecuted and pressure was on their life. And you know, the, the writer of Hebrews talks to them about don't throw away your confidence. It has a reward. And then he tells them, this is how you're going to build your confidence. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, men of old gained a good report. That's how they, that's how they developed a story. And then he starts talking about these people. He talks about Abel and Noah and Moses and David. And he talks about all these people. And you know what? They were ordinary people. They were ordinary people that were in the midst of very difficult times. And they didn't have a story, but they had a story when God was finished. Because they, by faith, developed a testimony. But then the end of the book, end of the chapter says this. For there were those who also had their... Bodies sown and sawed in half and had their property taken from them and they were stoned and put to death and had their children taken from them. And it says, and they died never having received the promise, but they too died in faith. Right. Yeah, so good. Wow. You know, one of the one of the difficult things I had to do this past year was talk to a man who was at his moment of transition. In his 50s. And I, in the conversation with him, he said to me, Bishop, is it okay? I feel like I failed God if I go to heaven. He was dying with cancer. And I said to him, you can die in faith just like you live by faith. 
because you recognize there's something beyond. This may be the changing of a chapter, but it's not the end of the story. And all of a sudden, he just got at peace with himself. And with a matter of hours, he went to be with Jesus. So the reality is, is that, that, that our faith is shaped by our stories. I'm going I'm to just press into two things real quick, and I'm going to have Abby and make sure you help me here. Because there's two reasons we got to keep telling stories. That's why this month was so important. Because first of all, Psalms chapter 78, verse number 5 through 7 says this. For he established a testimony in Jacob. Now that in itself is, is laughable. Right. If I would have wanted to establish a testimony, I would have chose Abraham, <laughs> the father of faith. Yeah, I would have chose Isaac, the laughing son. <laughs> I'd have chose Israel, the perfected one. But he said, no, he said, I'm going to establish a testimony in Jacob. In other words, I'm going to take the rascals, the misfits, the tricksters, and I'm going to make a story out of their life. I'm going to establish a testimony in Jacob. And I'm going to appoint a law in Israel, which he commanded to our fathers, that they should make them known to their children. That the generation to come might know him. That the children who would be born, that they would arise and declare this truth to their children. Here's why. So that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, which he commanded them. He said, in other words, you have to keep telling the stories so that the generation coming after you will set their hope in God. Yes, very good. Every, every Sunday that a child walks into gate kids, we keep telling them that there was something here before them and that they're just a part of God's story that's being written. And the people that overcame back here is the same Jesus that's at work in them today. And they're going to be able to live out their dreams and destiny because God brought them through. You can set your hope, your expectation in God. Why don't you talk to parents just for a minute and make sure about how important it is for them. It's not just enough for kids pastors to talk about the stories of how Jesus helped people. Why don't you talk to parents? Just take about two minutes and say to parents why it's important for them to tell those stories. Bishop, um, it's, it's important because it, it established the fundamental principles of how to live their everyday life. And what our young people right now need more than ever is that connection. And they need to be able to understand where they came from, like Pastor Amanda said, and that will help pull both the trajectory of where they're going to go how they're going to be. And I, I love the story that um, Pastor Kathy actually tells and she talks about the stones and how she remembers in her life that there was a stone. And it's referenced in Joshua. Yeah. <laughs> Learned that, um, but she referenced the stones and as she came across obstacles or challenges in her life, that's where her faith really kicked in because she's like, oh, no, 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 devil, not today. I know that 10 years ago when I had this issue, here's that stone about how God brought me through. So as parents, we have to go back to the, the basic principles and, and answer that question as why. My ears light up when I hear our kids ask why, because that's my opportunity for me to pour into our children yes. what I want them to hear and start to shape and mold how they're going to walk their faith and not let society decide that for me. Yes. 
Um, one thing I, I, I urge and always say is that you can't pour something out of you that's not in you. So even as parents, we have to go back to the word ourselves. And even if you didn't grow up in the church, even if you were a late bloomer and, and just started in your 20s and your 30s, we still have a, a, a responsibility as faith believers that that is our new foundation. That is our ceiling. Like uh, Pastor Jay was saying, this is where we start. And if you haven't been immersed in the church, it's never too late. Start today. Yeah, that's right. Start today. So, Abby, tell us why you're a young lady, still single, just beginning your life. Tell us why it's important. Tell, tell young men and women, tell, tell some 20-somethings why it's important for them to sit down and hear stories. Um, well, I think a lot of it goes back, you know, when you are talking about how stories are connected to faith. Um, I think not only just hearing stories, but also telling stories yourself as well. Um, I know for me personally, if I tell a story, then I'm reflecting back on certain moments and certain situations. And then a revelation comes up and I'm like, oh my gosh, I never even realized that before. And so you're seeing certain things throughout your story, but then also other stories um, from other people that are telling them um, that are connected to you. Um, and it's just there's there's also a bond that is created through those moments. You know, when a story is told, a bond is created, um, whether it's from the person um, say, telling you a story or if you hear it, there's something within you um, that stirs up one way or another. Um, and I think that's really important. It's really encouraging also, um, you know, as we're just talking, I mean, I'm very encouraged uh, sitting up here listening to what is being told. Um, um, I'm very encouraged, but I think just um, continue to uh, hear those stories, be intentional intentional about those moments, you know, the stories that are being told, um, and then just begin to uh, process and reflect afterwards and be like, God, what are you telling me? What are you telling me in this moment? You know, I, I'm only 21, you know, I've got long road ahead of me, um, but I find myself so recently um, a lot trying to feel like I need everything figured out, um, but I don't. And I think through those stories, through other people who have gone before me, who have gone through certain situations, who have done certain things, um, I'm able to really um, kind of begin to mirror my life between theirs and see, okay, I don't need to have it all together. I don't need to do this. I don't need to do that right now. Um, but this is what I can do right now. This is what I'm able to do right now. This is what the Lord has given me to do right now. Um, so I think between, you know, the stories being told to us and then also us telling stories to other people, there's those moments of revelation and encouragement that are being brought into those situations. You know, as we get ready to close, I was sitting in a restaurant uh, just a couple of weeks ago on a table full of pastors and particularly young. They were all young guys. And somebody asked me, said, Bishop, I heard a story about a baby that had been dead that came back to life. Tell us that story. So I started telling them the story about me praying for a child in Bolivia that God raised back to life, who today is 20 years old, named after me. And they said, well, what about, and I began to tell stories. And next thing I know, I'm I'm an hour into telling stories. And I told stories about India and I told stories about Africa. And I'm, I'm thinking, I haven't thought about these stories in forever. And somebody looked at me and said, why don't you put these stories in a book? And 
so people can read them. And because my faith, I feel like I can run through a troop and loop over a wall right now because of everything that's happened. And I realized that the power of stories had so impacted my life. My dad, when I was, when I was three years old, my dad was severely burned to the point he was pouring gasoline into the engine of a truck on a very cold, snowy day. And in those days, they would take the carburetor off of big trucks and pour gas in them to try to get them started, sort of like starter fluid. And when it did, his brother hit the starter rather than coming here to him. And when it did, the engine backfired. A ball of fire came up out of that big truck, and my dad had a can of gas, and it just went all over him. His face became a flame of fire, his entire head, his body, his upper arms. My dad got to the hospital. They just took skin off his face and just cut it off with scissors wrapped him up and left him like a mummy. And the doctors told my mother, said, you know, John's going to be permanently damaged. You need to prepare. They were a young married couple. You need to be prepared. He's going to be scarred and, and he's going to look like a monster the rest of his life. And my dad only had his place for his eyes and one place for his mouth through all that wrapping. And he said to my mother, he said, call for the pastor and tell him to pray. And our pastor came. He wasn't famous. He was just the pastor of a local church, and he came with another elder, and they anointed my dad with oil right on his wrappings. And my dad said the moment they prayed, the burning sensation, if you've ever been severely burned, you know it lasts long after it's put out. He said the burning left my body immediately. And when they took those bandages off 10 days later, my dad had a brand-new face, brand-new ears, and in a week later, my dad was shaven. And when my dad died in his late 70s, my dad had baby skin still to that day. And he said to me that story. He told me that from the days I was young. When I would get sick at night, rather than calling the doctor, my dad would come into my room. If I had an earache, he'd come in and lay hands on me and pray. He'd believe God. And I learned all those stories. And you say, well, what difference? That, that was your dad's story. But let me tell you how it impacted me. One night, I'm standing in India, in Rajamundri, India, in a soccer stadium. And they brought to me a man who was blind in front of about 50,000 people. And a bunch of Hindu priests had said, heal him. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do? Because we got several more nights of a crusade. And if God doesn't touch this man, all these radical Hindus are going to turn this whole thing upside down. This, this crusade will be downhill. And I'm standing there on the platform thinking, what am I going to do? And God reminded me of the story my daddy told me. And I thought, the name of Jesus that touched my daddy is the same Jesus that's here with me. And I prayed over that blind man who was 70 years old, never saw a day in his life. And in front of 50,000 people, immediately his eyes were open. And he started screaming and hollering, I can see, I can see. And thousands of Hindus came to Jesus over the next couple of days. Why? Because the power of a story ignited faith on the inside of my life. That the same Jesus was at work today. I don't know what it is you're facing. I don't know what 2020 has meant. But I just want to say to you today, the gospel story is this. We had fallen. Our lives were totally away from God. And when we couldn't get to him, 
he came to us. And the victim of a cruel death became the victorious one. Because through his death, he provided a way for my sins, my brokenness, and my mess to be paid for. He rose from the dead. The Bible says he was seen by hundreds of people after that. So there couldn't be any refuting of the fact he rose from the dead. And he said to you and I, if you can believe me, all things are possible. I can make all things new. You may have had a marriage that's been on the rocks. I want to tell you something. There's a whole line of people that's got a story of how they were headed to divorce court and Jesus changed their marriage. You may have got a bad report from a doctor, but there's a whole line of history of people who said in the midst of their disease and sickness, Jesus the healer stepped into the middle of them. There are people that said, you know what? I had an addiction, but my story is Jesus became my deliverer. I'm going to pray for you today because I want to declare to you the works of God. The God of the Bible is not an ancient figure. He's a very present live reality. Even in 2020, he is with us. Wherever you're at, I want you to release your faith right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for people who need to know the story today that Jesus has helped us overcome. Lord, I pray for them according to Revelation chapter 12, verse number 11. And we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. And we love not our life unto its death. I pray right now in Jesus' name for people that are away from you. I pray, Lord, today that they'll open their hearts and receive you. If you don't know Christ personally, I want you to just go in the chat line and tell somebody, I'm getting ready to pray with Bishop. I'm praying with him right now. And I want you to pray this simple prayer. Jesus, I give you my life. Come into me and live in me today. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. I want you to see what Jesus will do on the inside of your life. Today, the story of your life is about to change because there's power in a story. From Kathy and I and all the team at the Gate Church, we trust you have a great weekend. But not only that, we trust as we go into 2021, you go in with huge expectation. I want you to get ready today to receive God's grace for 2021. Don't you be afraid of it. We're going to move into it with power. The story is we overcame in 2020, and we're going to live in victory in 2021. Hallelujah. If you haven't yet participated in our giving, would you right now just go online, make sure you give. This is your last chance in 2020 to give. Why don't you make sure you just end the year at a great point of generosity. You can give online. You can give through multiple ways. They'll be on the screen. They'll give you ways that you can give. I want you today to receive the joy of the Lord. In January, we start a great prayer time. It's going to be wonderful. I look forward to seeing you in the new year. From all of us, Happy New Year. We love you. God bless.